Hello everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by Perry Aston and Christian McGowan. Guys, say hello. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, how are y'all doing? And we told you guys we'd have an NBA draft preview show for you guys. Here it is, a few days before the draft. Hope you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into it, I want to remind you guys that you can listen to us on SoundCloud and also via the Apple iTunes podcast app. While you are listening to us on the Apple iTunes podcast app, please go ahead and give us a five-star review. It really helps us out, and we really do appreciate it. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow Corbin on Twitter, at CorbinMRPK. You can follow me on Twitter, at Perry Aston. And you can follow Christian on Twitter, at McGowan75. All right, guys, let's just jump right in. We're going to start with a mock draft today. If you haven't been following our Twitter, please do for all your draft news. We've been giving you all the news with footwear deals and apparel deals with Adidas and Puma. Puma's back in it. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's start with our mock draft, and we'll give you guys some of that news towards the end. Uh, I'll give my pick first, and we'll kind of go around. And if you have anything really to say about that particular player, go for it. Uh, I'm going to start with the Suns at the number one pick. I really do think they hold on to this pick, and they can't pass up on a guy like DeAndre Ayton. He's going to be that guy. He played at Tucson, U of A, just a few hours away, so he's going to become an Arizona legend. Seven foot, 260 pounds. Some people say he might even be teetering towards 7'1". 19 years old, 20.1 points per game, 11.6 rebounds, over 61% field goal percentage. He can shoot the three. He can space the floor. He can bang inside. He might need a tiny bit of help defensively, but overall, he's by far the most overwhelming athlete in this draft. Corbin, do you have anything else to say about number one besides DeAndre Aiden? Well, yeah, I agree with you. I think they'd be foolish to pick anyone besides DeAndre Aiden. He's clearly the best player in this draft. I think that you're underselling his limitations defensively. He, For how big he is, 7 feet, 7 one, and the athletic ability that he has, because he is very athletic, he is a much more underwhelming rim protector than you would expect. Uh, we saw a little bit when he was at Arizona, his inability to not only protect the paint, but to just be a sound one-on-one -on -one defender defensively. Right. That's why I say he did need some help defensively. That was his one knock. Uh, not that he's a liability necessarily, but I did. I, when I was watching tape on him, I saw a lack of motor sometimes, yeah. maybe a lack of, motiv lack of motivation. He wasn't there really on rotations, especially helping on the pick and roll. He definitely needs to help with you know, creating a sharper direction towards the guy off the ball, and he's really kind of lackadaisical. So I really need to see him step up on that. But his offensive game is finely tuned, and he might be one of the most overwhelming stars that we've seen in this decade. Yeah, I think offensively, you talk about his motor. It's strange how different it is offensively and defensively, because offensively, he's a monster. He's a monster with getting offensive rebounds. He he played in the Pac-12. I went to USC, so I saw him play quite a bit, and he was just a terror to keep off of the offensive boards. He's a great rebounder. He is a great post player. He showed some range shooting wise so he's the Suns are going to be very happy with the pick and there's been some talk about them possibly trading the pick I don't think they're going to I know you don't think so either so eight at number one uh, Christian you have anything to add I just really like his shooting ability uh, hopefully that it gets a little bit better with time I know when Perry and I had watched him on tape it looked just a little bit I mean a guy at seven foot it's going to come off a little slower than a guy who's six two but I think that if he can improve his efficiency at the three-point 
um, line that there's no reason why he can't be one of the great modern centers yeah. of today's basketball. And I really think his shot looks fluent for a center, and he definitely has really good mechanics and at his size. And the fact that he's not very slow, he still is very athletic, he can really develop that shot more and more. It's not He doesn't need to change the shot. He doesn't need to add a three-point game. He's, he already has it. He just has to work on it. He's 19 years old. He's got so much potential. And like you said, Corbin, that defensive ability is going to just keep growing. He has the athleticism and the size to be a great defender, just the coaching and the time and, and the effort, like you said, to carry the motor. If he puts yeah. the effort in, there's... It's really the effort. It's really the effort. It, and at the NBA level, I hope that with the correct coaching staff, because he wasn't in the best situation at U of A, and with all the drama going on there, I'm not created. blaming... Yeah, also... I'm not blaming the defense on his drama. I'm just saying he maybe he didn't have the right guy in his corner making him work hard on the defensive end. And because he wanted to perhaps go number one in the draft and go make millions of dollars, he probably was working his ass off on the offensive end. But, yeah, you know, I, if you have one, the right coaching staff and you're, you know, fighting to get a good contract in a few different years and put your name on the map in the NBA, you're going to have to work hard on both ends. Yeah, and one thing really quickly before we move on, just we need to mention, to be fair, to DeAndre Ayton, he was playing out of position. He was their starting power forward when he's clearly the center. You mentioned not in the right position with the coaching staff. Yeah, Sean Miller, Arizona's head coach, he probably should have been starting DeAndre Ayton at center, which is a testament to Ayton that's still playing out of position. He was clearly worthy of being the number one pick in this draft. With all due respect to to Miller, that was the best lineup he can go with. I was actually looking at it to see if there was a better combination of players when you start Ayton at center, and the power forwards behind Ayton weren't very good on that team. Not that they were bad, but out of all positions... The, the center position, there was another center that was able to dominate down low. So it made sense from a coaching standpoint, but it didn't help DeAndre Aiden in regards to his progress, but it didn't hurt him. Clearly, he's an absolute monster, and he's only going to get better and better as he gets the correct coaching staff and becomes a superstar one day, I believe. Seriously. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to the second pick. Uh, Perry, I'll let you start this one off since you're pretty much introducing all of the stats for each player. Yeah, we got uh, Marvin Bagley, and I'm not really going to go stats for necessarily each player, but you know, some of them I'm definitely bringing up stats. Some okay. of them I'm going to bring up more comparisons. Some of them I'll bring up maybe um, some of their accolades, something like that. So keep you guys will be bouncing off me. Marvin Bagley, power forward, center from Duke. He plays, I like him more at the power forward uh, position. Six foot ten, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. So and just really quick in comparison to size for DeAndre Aiden. He's about two inches shorter and about you know twenty-five pounds less. So that shows how Aiden is just such a true center because that's such a beastly body, and Marvin Bagley to me fits more of the power forward role. And he really played such a good um, combo with Wendell Carter when Wendell Carter was in at at center. So I really do like him at the power forward. I think the Kings would as well. Uh, he's 19 years old. I think he's a younger 19. Corbin and I actually saw him play yeah. in the Drew League in LA. He he averaged 21 points a game, 11.1 rebounds, 61.4 field goal percentage. Pretty identical numbers to DeAndre Aiden, to be 100 percent honest. Um, yeah, I really like Marvin Bagley, and I know the Kings, for month, for about a month now, I, a report said they were interested in, quote-unquote, American frontcourt players, which was pretty much saying, we don't want Luka Doncic. So, I, I get it. They got lucky, first off, being the number two pick. I believe they had the seventh best odds coming into um, you know the whole lottery. And at this point, they're just lucky to be here, and they have their pick because DeAndre Ayton's number one. They've clearly can sleep at night knowing they're not going to be getting him, but they have their pick of the litter. And I think they're going to 
if they trade this, they're going to really screw this up. I know they've been thinking about you know trading this pick. Another thing I've been hearing is they've been really checking out Michael Porter Jr. at number two. That would really be a Kings move, and I'm not saying that Michael Porter Jr. isn't going to be a great NBA player, but coming off an injury and not knowing as much about him compared to other prospects, and you're picking at number two, and you have a guy like Marvin Bagley who is so young and so athletic and can produce right away. He's probably, even though he's 19 years old, a young 19, he's NBA ready. You he still should be a senior in high school. Remind that he reclassified in the summer of last year to yeah. be a freshman in college. He, right. for all reasons, without that rule, would would be going into his freshman year of college right now. Exactly. So he, just like I said, yeah, a younger 19, and he's got exact numbers of DeAndre Ayton. He's able to show up and he was playing next to Wendell Carter Jr. and I really loved that tandem so I really yeah. think he's going to match up well with the NBA centers that are up there right now especially you know on the Kings. Yeah I have the Kings taking Bagley too there was a report that actually just came out earlier today basically saying that the Kings were pretty much focused in on Marvin Bagley and were not high on Luka Doncic who a lot of people have as the number two overall player in this draft. I really like Marvin Bagley's fit alongside Willie Cauley-Stein, who is sort of the king's center of the future. They have Zach Randolph, who plays the power forward right now, but he's 37, 38 years old. He won't be playing much longer. Bagley, you look at him, and there are a lot of people want to compare him to Chris Bosh just because he's the same type of build and the left-handed player. I think Bagley has the potential to be better than Chris Bosh. I think he's a little bit more physical. He has way more athleticism than you would think just he's, looking at him Chris Bosch. yeah yeah I, re- I really i really like that comparison i think it's a fair comparison but i think that bagley has the potential to be better than Bosch. i think he's a better rebounder more athletic and it's just it's effortless athleticism in a sense that his second bounce is something i really like when he comes down from trying to get a rebound or taking a shot he's so quick to get back up and get his rebound if he misses and that's something that i think is going to go a long way in the NBA. So I agree. Yeah, let's move on to number three, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Perry, who's your pick for the Hawks? I got Jaron Jackson Jr., power forward center, played for Michigan State. He's one of the youngest players in this draft at 18 years old. Six foot 11, 235 pounds, pretty much the same as Marvin Bagley. Maybe has an inch on Bagley. I like him, honestly, at either position, power forward or center, depending on the team that goes for him. And with the Hawks... They need so much help. And Dennis Schroeder there as their point guard, he is an all-star, and he's very good. And But he doesn't want to be there. He clearly said it this offseason, and his contract's a doozy, and it's there. So if they're going to want to make some magic happen and get him off the books, they're going to have to trade one of these picks that they have. And they do have a lot, and they have... You know, they have that in their, in their books, but they don't have a lot of players that are going to perform at a high level. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league unless they draft extremely well because I don't think they're going to do very well in attracting free agents. So, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., he can shoot the three ball. His statistics, he's, it was 10.9 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, and three blocks. So the offensive game isn't even tapped completely yet. His The statistics weren't necessarily how you're looking at Bagley or Aiden. But he is 18 years old, one of the youngest players in the draft, and it's his defense that you're really looking at. It's the three blocks a game. He, I don't actually have Steele's numbers in front of me, but I know that he's definitely active with his hands, and he's extremely long, and he's very athletic. And what I've been hearing is that he might be the most – he's the perfect fit for the NBA right now as in regards to the modern big. 
So out of anybody in this draft, when you're looking at today's NBA, a lot of people are saying he could be the best player in this draft. And that's in regards to both sides of the ball. So he's got a ton of upside. I even thought the Kings were even going to debate grabbing him until I saw their strong interest in Marvin Bagley. But at this point, you don't let Jaron Jackson slip anymore because then the Grizzlies or the Mavericks are going to get a gift at that point. The Hawks have to capitalize and at least start building on this team. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you with Jaron Jackson as well. And I think you're completely right in that his versatility and what he's going to bring to the NBA, he is the perfect modern-day NBA big man. He can play the four. He can play the five. He has athleticism that is almost unmatched by any other prospect in this draft. And his potential, he has such a high ceiling, and it's it was very untapped so far. He's a little bit more raw, obviously, than Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton, but he showed flashes of what he can do last year at Michigan State. There's one play that really sticks out to me where I forgot what team he was playing, but pump faked at the three-point line, took one dribble spin move, and then dunked for an and one, and that's something that most big men in college and the NBA just cannot do. And he is going to be very versatile, being able to play against fours and fives in the NBA. And I really like his fit alongside John Collins, who was the Atlanta Hawks' first-round pick last year. Collins, yeah, that's, a, that's a good combo yeah, right there, because and, John Collins likes to bang down low. Exactly. And Jaron Jackson, he's a little bit smaller at around 225, so he still can bang down low, but I like Collins better in that mold. Collins can't really shoot outside. Jaron Jackson showed... The ability to knock down threes at Michigan State. It, so it, his shot is beautiful, honestly. Yeah, for it, a and his shot is the nicest shot in this draft. It's it, so fluent. He's just going to work on it. He's 18 years old. Remember that. It's very Jason Tatum esque. Everyone kept saying all year he's only 18. You know, he's only 18 or whatever. And now he's only 19. At this point, he's only 18. He's has such potential on both ends of the floor. And you got to look at that defensive. Um, you know, ability right there and that potential because you're, you don't really have that. We're saying with DeAndre Aiden, he just doesn't even have the effort. But at some point, he could become a great defender if he wants to care a little bit more. You see Jaron Jackson Jr. at 18 years old competing at a collegiate level and defending with the best and dominating on that side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the fourth pick in the draft. It's going to be made by the Memphis Grizzlies. Perry, who do you have the Grizzlies selecting at four? I got Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I know number four seems a bit high, but his draft stock has been raising and raising and raising the last couple weeks. This is now my fourth mock draft officially. I posted a couple of them for you guys on Twitter. Please go look at those and compare them with the ones that we're putting out right now. I'm probably going to put out an actual list for Corbin and I a little bit later so you can actually see them. I know I love looking at mock drafts. But Michael Porter Jr. can play small forward, power forward. He's six foot eleven, so he's got very good size. Nineteen years old, and today on Twitter he was comparing himself and his game—not on his personal Twitter, but I believe it was in an interview. He compared his game to a bit of a Kevin Durant and Giannis on the Bucks kind of mix, and that's high praise. First off, to put yourself in that conversation with those two players, he was saying that. He likes to take it to the rim a little bit more than KD, and he might be a tad bit more aggressive in that standpoint, which, again, you're comparing to KD, so <laughs> you're putting yourself in high regards. And Giannis, who's extremely long, he was saying that he shoots a little bit more like Giannis. Um, well, so I, I think he was not, probably... That's not, does he, exactly. that's not the right I mean, comparison. He needs to flip that, attack the rim like Giannis, and shoot like KD. 
I just don't think I think I don't think he's trying to knock that he's an amazing shooter. I don't think that's what he's going for. I think he's going for the how dominant he is. And the fact that he's putting himself up with these two players alone, it kind of bothers me to be a hundred percent honest. You didn't really show much on a collegiate level because you were so in, you were injured and you came back for what one or two games for yeah. the tournament and I don't know. I don't like that comparison. A comparison I want to give him, Otto Porter Jr. That sounds like a real good one for me. And they got similar size, and I like that game. He's going to be better than Otto Porter Jr., but in regards to comparing his game to an NBA player right now, I think that's the best one for me. But, yeah, I like him a lot, and he. it's been a very weird process for Michael Porter Jr. A lot of teams want to get their personal trainers' hands on him because they want to see, obviously, if he's okay and his medical records check out. He's made his medical records public to whoever wants to see them. And there was a weird event to where he pretty much was on a stretcher in half court, in the middle of the court, and teams and their medical staff would pretty much come out, check him out on this table, pick and pry at him, and then leave. And then the next you know, few people would come over there and do the same thing. Kind of a weird you know, thing if you want to think of it in your mind where you know, people are just coming over, poking at him and stuff like that, making sure that he's okay and talking to people and, and leaving, but he's not actually doing any basketball workouts for them. He's kind of keeping that as the unknown kind of thing because he was so highly regarded coming out of high school. And he's such a talent, and everybody knows that. And you can't – it's not like he didn't perform well on the college level. He just didn't get to play as much as everybody hoped for. So you're only able to see so much. He's smart going into the draft this year, not going back for pride and having to play a little bit more in college because his first year didn't work out too well. He's got. He's so talented at this point. He's still going to be a top five pick. I got him number four to the Grizzlies because I hear that they have a lot of interest in him. And at this point, I really don't like Luka Doncic there with Mike Conley still being there on one of the most ridiculously massive contracts of all time for, I think, the next three years. He's making so much money. And he's a good starter, don't get me wrong, but he's not even a, he's not a star, not even more close to it. So Michael Porter Jr., at least... You let Conley play out in another couple of years of that massive contract. No one's been put on. You hopefully get rid of Parsons' contract at some point, but Parsons isn't the answer there. And you still got Gasol, who's manning the down low. And I know this is such a deep draft with centers, but I don't think the Grizzlies take one there. And to be honest, I think they pass up on Luka Doncic. But don't be surprised if someone moves up to number four to grab him. Because I know that Doncic's draft stock's gone down a little bit, but don't be surprised if someone moves up. But we'll talk about him in a little bit. But... Yeah, well, you, uh, I, we're going to talk about him right now because I have the Grizzlies right. taking him at number four. I think. That was. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> think that Luka Doncic's fit, obviously, the Grizzlies would love to move on from Mike Conley. That contract that they gave him, the five years, hundred, whatever, $50 million or whatever it was that they gave him at the time, even at the time, it seemed bad. Now it just seems worse. He's injury prone, but. Whether they are able to somehow move on from him and find someone to take him or not, I still think Luka Doncic is a good fit with the Grizzlies. He's someone who can playmake for others, which Mike Conley can do. He isn't the best in the NBA at it, but it gives them another option. They can stagnate their minutes. Luka Doncic can shoot from the outside, and that's something that the Grizzlies have struggled with for probably the past 10 years or so, so is finding outside shooters. So that's really going to help them. I think that Luka Doncic... Although his draft stock might be slipping a little bit, it isn't really even because of anything that he's done. It's just other teams kind of have a reluctance to go ahead and draft someone from 
another country when there isn't nearly as much film on them, not as much known about them. And that's something that we've seen for the past. I don't know. I don't know if that's it at all, because there's plenty of film on him. It's people are being probably overly critical, but it's some of they're knocking his D a little bit and they're they definitely does make some mistakes and mental errors because when he's great, he's one of the greatest players out there right now. And you're remembering that he's competing in the second most competitive league. Yeah, in the I was world. about to say and he won the MVP in that league. Exactly, the youngest MVP to ever do it, and you know, chiming on him, I actually have him number six to the Magic, so I'll just fast forward to that one, just get that one out of the way for me, but okay. he, uh, yeah, Real Madrid, he was the youngest EuroLeague MVP, finals MVP, champion, he pretty much did everything that he could there, it's just at this point, I, what I'm reading from Jonathan Givovi and you know, other player, other people from Draft Express and other sources that I follow on that regard, is that for some reason, his you know star just keeps plummeting, not plummeting necessarily, but dropping out of the top five. Possibly, I heard the Mavericks may be interested in him at number five, but I just don't see that with Dennis Smith Jr. Even though that would be one of the I think that would be a good fit. Too, that would be if he's the most there. exciting one-two punches, definitely. But so expect to see Luka Doncic moving anywhere from four to six to really any mixture of these teams here. It's he's the most intriguing. I've also seen him still at number two to obviously the Kings in a few mock drafts, but we got that alert before this mock that it doesn't seem likely that he's going to be going there at all. But I have also seen him number three to the Hawks. So don't be surprised if you see him really go anywhere from three to six to a number of teams, even if a team wants to move up and grab him. Yeah, I think the two players we had at this pick, you, Michael Porter Jr., and me with Luka Doncic, those are the two players with the most fluid situations where they're where they could be drafted is the widest range of any players yeah, I think. a lot of question marks because there's a lot of the if you look at every mock draft on google right now you look at ours and you compare everything you can really come to a conclusion at least on probably a quarter of the first round that you're almost 100 percent sure that this team is going to pick this player just because you've seen what eight to ten experts pretty much all agree at this point a guy like chandler hutchinson who reportedly has a promise to be you know picked by the bulls and we'll, you'll figure that out later on but at that point, the Bulls at number eight. No, or number number 22. seven. Oh, okay, I'm, I was twenty two. I'm saying I'm saying a player like that who's been promised already something like that. You know, it really at that point. You know, you, you get what I'm trying to say. The team is dedicated to that player, and now at this point, this far up, you don't have any idea because then my Taylor didn't take any more workouts. He already knew he was going to be a lock, and I'm not saying that he's going to be up that. I'm just saying that got teams like Michael Porter Jr. Teams are still hesitant on going for him right now, picking and prying at him at that weird event and still going for his medical records. He's such a question mark. Yeah, let's move on to the number five pick, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Perry, I'll let you go first on this one. Who do you have them selecting? I got Mo Bamba, center from Texas. I do seven well. foot, 225 pounds. Uh, seven foot, 10 wingspan, if you can believe that. 19 years old, 12.9 points per game, 10.5 rebounds, 3.7 blocks. So clearly he's dominant on the defensive side, and I know he's chimed on the fact that he's matched up with DeAndre Aiden numerous times, and he's always pretty much won that matchup for the most part. So he's chimed on the fact that he can bang with him for sure, and he thinks he's the best center in this draft. Yeah, I agree with you. I got Mo Bamba going number five. I think he has the potential. He could be the best player in this draft just because of his unbelievable measurables that 710 wingspan is ridiculous and terrifying should be terrifying to every center he's going to go up against one other thing is that he supposedly reportedly had a private workout with the chicago bulls in which he ran the three-quarter court sprint 
at a faster time than Russell Westbrook did, which, if true, that is probably the most terrifying thing of all. Because it's not just that he was running faster than Russell Westbrook, it's that him at that size, because it's three-quarters court, so he has to get up to speed so fast at the same at the same time as Russell Westbrook did, who is a foot smaller and, what, 50 pounds lighter. So if he's able to do it, and I understand him being as big as he is, being able to take those longer strides, it's still getting up to that speed. So that's incredible if he can really run the floor that fast. And that's, he's going to be a great player in the NBA. At the very least, a Rudy Gobert type player and maybe even a better rim protector because of his length. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Oh, sorry. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that that bank is crazy. He'll be Un- better than Rudy Gobert. Unbelievable. At least defensively. Yeah, maybe overall too. Gobert isn't much of an offensive player. Let's move on to the Orlando Magic sixth overall selection. We both kind of foreshadowed this, Perry. I know you said they have you have them taking Luka Doncic. I have them taking yeah. Michael Porter Jr. We already spent a lot of time on these players, but yeah. just really quickly, how do you think Doncic fits with the Magic? I think he's the answer for the Magic. If they get lucky enough to have him fall to number six, their point guard woes are well-known, and they have a problem there. Alfred Payton wasn't the answer, and then they traded him away. So they don't have someone to run the point at this point that's somewhat talented. Luka Doncic would come there, add a lot of star power, and really change this team who's been in no man's land for a long time since when they were in the playoffs with Dwight Howard. So I really like... You know, I really like that that pick for him right there. The only thing that kind of concerns me is the one knock that I have seen on Doncic is that he's a little bit of a prima donna, yeah. and the Magic are going to suck. So I'm really interested <laughs> to see if he goes there, how is he going to react to being on a really bad team and being in some place that hasn't been known for having good general management. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, you look at even the first six picks that we've gone through, all of these franchises, maybe the Grizzlies have had some success in the past half decade, but other than them, all of these franchises have been bad for the past at least five years, so odds are wherever he goes, there's going to be a history of losing, at least in recent history, and he's going to be brought in to try and change that. He, I forgot what team he was playing on in the league that he's in right now. I think it was at FC Barcelona, it might have been. Um, yeah. But he, he helped them become the best team. They won the championship in his league, and Luka, now... Luka Doncic? Yeah, Luka Doncic. It's uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Okay, I knew it was either Barcelona or Real Madrid. So, yeah, I mean, he. I, I'm not as concerned about that. I have heard that stuff about him being a prima donna. My pick with Michael Porter Jr. going to the Magic, I think he's going to fit in well there, too. I know they have Aaron Gordon, who they will most likely re-sign, restricted free agent. He'll be their power forward. They have Jonathan Isaac, who they selected sixth overall last year in the draft. And I'm still really high on Isaac. I love his defensive versatility uh we compared him kind of like a swiss army knife in the past and i think that he still has a role there even if michael porter jr is selected he'll most likely come off the bench porter jr will be starting but porter jr gives them that number one scoring option that they haven't had in a long time so i think they're both good fits for him we'll just see how the how it plays out and who falls and who's selected higher so let's go to the number seven pick chicago bulls perry who do you have them selecting Wendell Carter Jr., center from Duke, six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pounds. He's got the weight, and he definitely bangs on both sides of the ball. Nineteen years old. He played hand in hand with 
uh, at Duke with Marvin Bagley, and I really like that. That's why I said I like Bagley at the four and somebody that's dominant on both ends and bangs a little bit more at the five, a.k.a. a guy like John Collins or you know a guy like you said, Willie Cauley-Stein. So I really do like that, and I love Wendell Carter Jr. because I really think he's a good comparison to Al Horford. I think he's the next Al Horford, seriously, and 13.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 2.1 blocks. He got a little overshadowed at Duke, but he really hasn't even been able to show everybody everything that he's got, and I really like that he dominates on both sides of the ball, and he's very consistent. I think he's the most consistent player or center in this draft when you look at his game all around, so I really like him. He's very mature, and I think Al Horford's just a perfect comparison for him. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going with Wendell Carter Jr. as well. I think that I agree with you with the consistency. You pretty much, you're more confident in terms of what you're going to get with him. I don't think he has quite as high of a ceiling as some of the other centers we've mentioned in this draft, but I really like him. I think that he, he's got a bigger body than most of the other big men in this draft too, so he's going to be able to bang down low with people and uh, be a force inside and Overall, I just think that he fits really well with what the Bulls are doing. They have guards. They got Chris Dunn. They got Zach Levine. They really can pair him with Laurie Markkinen, who is one of the, I know Christian, one of his favorite players in last year's draft. He was right about him all along. That, that's just a perfect pairing right yeah. there. And Laurie Markkinen <laughs> can spread the floor, and he showed how dominant that he could be at as, as a stretch four in the NBA. Having Wendell Carter Jr. there at, at the five would be a perfect fit. I really love that. And all right, let's move on to number eight, Cavaliers. I got Trey Young. Wanted to bring that, bring that one up there. I know he's a little undersized, six foot one, one hundred and eighty pounds. He supposedly put on muscle at one hundred and eighty pounds. It's really hard to tell. He's going to be small in you know the NBA. He could have just but, had a large lunch at that point. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a large lunch. Didn't go to the bathroom yet. But nineteen years old, he. No one really expected Trey Young to do this well going to Oklahoma, and he led the NCAA in points and assists. He's the first player ever to do that, and you got to put some respect on his name. 27.4 points per game, 8.8 assists, 36.1% from three. He's able to spread the floor. He's able to push the ball. His shot is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. When you watch him shoot, it's so effortless. I love him, and you know, even though he's undersized, his production's there, and a team in the top ten is going to have to take a chance on him. I think the Cavaliers, with or without LeBron James, you know, having a guy like Trey Young here would really help. But I really do think they probably <clears throat> trade this pick actually yeah. and try and go all in for a guy like Kemba Walker, who we reported last night. The Cavaliers and the Hornets are working out some sort of trade for him, or at least discussing one, and that would be a huge move, and that would obviously be going all in to try and keep LeBron James and show that you're making the moves to win that championship next year. So if they do keep this pick, because this mock draft, we're not simulating any picks. We're not going to try and confuse anybody or confuse ourselves on that. It's going to get too crazy, but we're going to keep it as is. But I think Trae Young to the Cavaliers is really intriguing. Um, what do you think, Christian, about Trae Young? If I'm not mistaken, uh, there was a certain season where he had a really cold slump and that he was shooting much higher at three-point percentage uh, at the beginning part of yes. the year. I know he went through a little bit of a slump, and that's why his numbers finished at, at 31.6. 36.1. He, I mean, I want to say Russell Westbrook from the way he plays, but when I look at his stats, it reminds me of Russell Westbrook, a player that scores a lot and also like gets those, gets those assists. 
He can rebound as well. He, I mean, he can also rebound. At six foot one, he gets a surprising amount of rebounds. To be honest, and watching him on tape, not that he, he just, rebounds insane, but he gets a surprising amount. He could be like a poor man's Kyrie Irving for them. Uh, if they like you said, there's no trades and simulations. Or, it's more like a poor man Steph Curry is what the comparisons they're giving True. him, and I don't want to have any disrespect on Steph Curry's name because I'm not trying to compare anyone to him right now. Especially the fact that Trey Young is more productive than Steph Curry was coming out of you know college, even at a further year in college. But yeah, I think Trey Young is going to be great. I don't think we should compare him to anyone necessarily, but sure, he is his own player. But I mean, the first player of all time to lead the NCAA in points and assists. True, that's, and that's something to to be said, but. For whatever reason, I kind of feel like this might be a player who would slide in the draft. That's just my inclination. I don't know why. He's one of those players that seems to be sliding just like Luka Doncic was sliding a little bit as well in a lot of mock drafts. And I kind of hope he does. I feel like if he can get on a a better team to start out. Well, I mean, the Cavaliers are a great team. Don't get me wrong. But if he can get maybe to a better situation. Then you know one of the teams around, like the Knicks. Jesus, if he can go to a better a better franchise, I think that would help out his development long term. And I know that's kind of the weird metric. Do you want to make more money off the bat, or do you want to go to a better position off See, the bat? And what what intrigues me with here is that if the Cavaliers pull that move for Kemba Walker, and I know we weren't talking too much trades, but let's just talk this one since we reported it last night on Twitter. But if they pull that one off, they're going to have to give up this number eight pick. Yeah, There's absolutely. no way because. Kemba Walker, I know you were saying before the podcast, you think he's an all-star. He's a star. He's not a superstar. Don't get me wrong there. But he's a star. He's considered a star for sure. And trading him to the Cavaliers is not a small move whatsoever. It's intriguing. He adds passing, scoring, athleticism. He adds a huge piece that can really put that team onto the next level if LeBron decides to stay there. And they're, if they're going to make that move, they're going to have to make it probably prior to the draft one because they're going to have to use this pick, and it's easier to trade this pick than to trade a player that you exactly. chose at number eight. And you're going to have to entice LeBron James pretty quickly because who knows when he's going to make that decision. I don't know if he wait, if he does it the second that he can. But if you're going to entice LeBron James, you're going to have to start making some moves right now. So if they're going to trade that, I like that. But the thing that intrigues me is that the Hornets have the number 11 pick, and at that point, they'll be losing their point guard, Kemba Walker, of course. And if they were able to get that number 8 pick and get Trey Young for themselves, at that point, they get the number 8 pick and the number 11 pick, which they already have. They can obviously get another position, which I already have them doing, but if they're able to slip right here in number 8 and do exactly what I have the Cavaliers doing right now, I think that's a great fit as well. If you're going to try and replace Kemba Walker and look to add towards your future, having Trey Young be your shooting guard and you know filling in possibly that small forward gap that you kind of have at 11, and Hornets are in a good position at that point. What do you think, Corbin? Yeah, I think that I agree that this is a likely trade for the Cavs to make for something to try to entice LeBron, whether it's Kemba or something else. If they trade for Kemba, I think this number eight pick pretty much gets it done. I don't think they'd have to attach much more than just stuff to make the salaries work. We'd have if, to attach rather Nance Jr. or Seti Osman as to track Yeah, I think maybe, maybe Seti Osman and then just some players to make the salaries work, like maybe a J.R. Smith to get him off the team. I know LeBron <laughs> doesn't want him. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but assuming that they do keep this pick, yeah, I have them taking Trey Young as well. I think that with or without LeBron James... He's probably the best fit for them just because if you have LeBron James, then you have someone who can, just another player that can create off the dribble, create his own shot, playmake for others, which they didn't have this year. And if they don't have LeBron, you need at least one of those players. But Trey Young is someone, 
as good as good as he is offensively, there's still concerns with him both offensively and defensively. Defensively, obviously, with his how small he is at only six one one eighty. Not the quickest guy. Add, in, you can add weight though. His projections yeah, there. You just, can always add weight. Just not. Not the quickest guy in the world. He struggled at Oklahoma defensively. And then offensively, for as great as he is, someone who he needs the ball in his hands in order to be effective. And then his shot IQ, his ability to take the right types of shots, I have some questions about that and how he kind of forced some shots at Oklahoma. His passing ability, you're drafting to be your point guard. He led the NCAA in assists last year. And he has amazing vision. So the no, fact he, is, that his he has incredible vision. Ready? What were we saying? He has incredible vision. I'm saying yeah. it's more his shooting and you're, his... You're drafting to be your point guard. Let's remember that. So we're not talking shooting guard here. At your no, point no, guard but you're I know. You're drafting him... And you have his offensive game on top of it. You're drafting him to be your playmaker and your distributor, but he took so many shots at Oklahoma, and you can point to maybe how he didn't have much talent around him, but still, he forced the issue, I think, way too much, and that's something that hopefully he'll be able to change in the NBA with better players around him, but... It's a concern I nonetheless. Think lack, I think it was a lack of talent around him. I agree. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. So let's move on to the number nine pick, New York Knicks. Perry, who do you have them selecting? I have Colin Sexton, point guard from Alabama, 19.2 points per game and 49.8% you know, from the field. I really, really like Colin Sexton. He's a playmaker, and he really helped his draft stock with an amazing tournament and a very good combine. So I think Colin Sexton sneaks into the top 10. The Knicks realized Frank Tilkina can't play point guard. He's, if anything, can be a solid defensive-minded one or two, you know, from more of a shooting guard that can, I guess, bring the ball up sometimes. But he is not the point guard for the future for you. You're going to go Colin Sexton. And I really like his ability to be a playmaker and score as well. Who do you have, number nine, Corbin? Yeah, I've been, I've been going with Kevin Knox. And for me, it's close between Kevin Knox and Mikhail Bridges. Knox, I just think because he is about three years younger than Mikhail Bridges, he does have a little bit more upside. He's still, he had a decent year at Kentucky. He shot the three ball at about an average clip. I think it was around 34, 35%, which that's workable. That's something that you can get hopefully up to around 37, 38%, become a good shooter in the NBA. Uh, he's built pretty well at around six foot nine, six foot 11 wingspan. He has the strength to maybe not right away, but within a year or two, be able to play either of the forward positions. And it's a solid building piece for the Knicks to have at number nine. I think he fits well with, you were mentioning Frank Tilakina and his length. I think the Knicks would be smart to try to build around defense with the length that they do have. Porzingis, obviously, as well at seven foot three at your power forward. That's a really long team, and that's something that uh, they can build around that and kind of harp on their defense moving forward. So let's move on. Really, really quick, chime on Kevin Knox, uh, just for you. I mean, he's he's 18 years old, so yeah. he's as well one of the youngest players in this draft and had a very good freshman year at Kentucky. And his offensive ability is what everybody loves about him. And just like you said, his size is really there. You look at a guy like Miles Bridges, who you know doesn't have that size necessarily. He's six foot six, and he's 20 years old. And you're looking at a guy like... You know him right here, who is six foot nine and eighteen years old. He's got better size and he's younger, and pretty much put up similar numbers. So Kevin Knox has been helping his draft stock a lot, a lot, by the way. So I like seeing him in your top ten because he slips right outside my top ten. Okay. But Kevin Knox is one of the more intriguing players as of late. Yeah, let's move on to the number ten pick. So this is the Philadelphia 76ers who acquired this pick 
not directly from the Lakers trade of Steve Nash, but they acquired it from the Suns. So going back five years, Lakers are still paying for that trade. Just wanted to get that in there really quickly. So Sixers, who do you have the who do you have them selecting, Perry? Mikael Bridges, shooting guard slash kind of small forward from Villanova, six foot seven, two hundred and ten pounds, twenty one years old, uh, eighteen points a game, five point four rebounds. 43% from three-point. He's NBA-ready. I really got to give a good comparison here to Kawhi Leonard. Um, maybe not as good necessarily, but I yeah. think he could be, honestly. And I think it's a really good comparison with size and similarity to their game. So I think it's a really good fit with the 76ers for Mikael Bridges. I think Kawhi Leonard's a fair comparison if you want to say like a poor man's Kawhi Leonard. He has... Yeah, I was going to say not as good. Like I said, yeah. my lingo. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean... That's... They use your lingo. But, yeah, I, I agree. I have them going with Mikhail Bridges as well. He's someone who, yeah, he's a little bit older than most of the prospects in the lottery, but um, he's a great shooter. I think he shot around 43% this last year at Villanova. He knows how to win. Won, I believe, two championships with Villanova. Villanova one as a freshman, one as a junior. Uh, really good defensively. He's very NBA-ready. Yeah, yeah. Very, which is something that the Sixers are looking for now because – they're in a position to contend, and they need to contend right now. And he's someone, Sixers don't have a lot of shooting. Yes, they have J.J. Redick, but he was on a one-year deal. Remains to be yeah. seen if he comes back. So he is someone who can come in and contribute right away for the Sixers. Let's move on to number 11, Charlotte Hornets. We were talking about possibly them acquiring the number 8 pick with trading Kemba, but it's their pick at number 11. Perry, who do you have them selecting? I have Kevin Knox, who you just chimed okay. on at number nine. Small forward, can also play the power forward, Kentucky. He was their number one option last year, in my opinion. Uh, eight old, six foot nine, had a really good size, a ton of potential. I love Kevin Knox, and I've really been falling in love with him more as late. And he, to me, I was having him more at number 14 to the Nuggets in my first previous mock drafts, but he's moved up just like I saw in your mock draft right now, Corbin, into a lot of people's top 10, including the ringer who I saw just at earlier. I have him inside their top 10 as well. I am at 11. Regardless, Ken Knox has a side. I really like him there. Who do you have for the Hornets? Uh, the Hornets at number 11. I get them going with Miles Bridges. I think that Kevin Knox could fit at the small forward position. The Hornets do have a point guard, shooting guard, small forward combo that I think is workable with Kemba for the time being. And then obviously Malik Monk, who they drafted last year and Michael Kidd Gilchrist at the small forward position. I think that power forward is where they are kind of lacking right now. And Miles Bridges, I know he's a little bit undersized at six foot six, but I think that in today's NBA, he is sort of the, right type of power forward that you'd have. A little undersized, but he's shown an ability to stretch the floor a lot more than when he got to Michigan State. He's worked on his outside shot. His athleticism is off the charts. I really like him. I think that he can fit well with the Charlotte Hornets. Let's move on to pick number 12. So the Clippers have picks number 12 and 13, one of them coming in the Blake Griffin trade to the Detroit Pistons. Who do you have the Clippers selecting with their first lottery pick, Perry? Like you said, we're not predicting trades here, but I see the Clippers making a move with one of these picks or pairing the two to move up or make a move for a star. So keep your eye out for the Clippers, make some moves with these two picks. But if they stay in place, number 12 to the Clippers, I have Shy Gilgis Alexander, point guard from Kentucky. So I have back-to-back -back Kentucky players with Kevin Knox and Gilgis Alexander. 
he's six foot six, 180 pounds, so he's a little bit lighter. But look at Trey Young, who is the same weight, 180 pounds, at six one. So you can definitely add some weight for Gilgis Alexander. But he's six foot six. He's extremely tall. He's a good defender. I really like how long he is. He averages 1.6 steals. So he's definitely locked down your point guard. He can guard the shooting guard position very well. He can even probably guard your small forward position if you need him to with that size. And definitely adding some weight at some point later, hopefully in his career. He was a freshman, 19 years old, 14.4 points, 5.1 assists. I really like his upside and his size, so I got him going to the Clippers. What do you have? Yeah, I have them going with their first pick with shooting guard Lonnie Walker out of Miami. I think that he was a... He had a little bit of a disappointing season, but it was also tough for him coming back from the knee injury that he sustained earlier. Uh, He, Some people, I've been seeing reports that uh, some executives in the NBA believe that he might be the best shooting guard in this draft class, and it was just tough for him to acclimate himself to college, getting off to sort of a late start. His shooting numbers were lower than you would expect, but he has the athleticism. He has a really good shooting stroke, so I think that that could definitely work. And I think that the Clippers at number 12, it fits. They have Lou Williams, who is a little bit smaller of a guard. He's getting up there in age. I know they signed him to a three-year extension, but uh, they need a starting shooting guard. I think Austin Rivers isn't really the answer there. So it can definitely work with Lonnie Walker going to the Clippers at number 12. Let's move on to the Clippers. Again, their second pick, number 13 overall. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Robert Williams, power forward, kind of center from Texas A&M. 6'9", 6'10", 240 pounds, so he's a little bit shorter if you're going to put him at the center position, but he makes up for it in weight and his bounce. He's able to get up so high and bang down low with that weight at 240 pounds. He's 20 years old. I think he's pretty NBA-ready. 10.4 points a game, 9.2 rebounds, 2.6 blocks. A lot of comparisons I've been seeing for him is DeAndre Jordan and Clint Capella. So I really like Robert Williams and his... He's able to get up with those dunks and finish the lobs on the other end. He's able to block shots on the other on the other side on defense and able to be a disruption to shots. So I really like him to the Clippers in anticipation that they're going to lose DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I think that that pick definitely does make some sense. Um, I think that Robert Williams would be a fine pick for the Clippers. I actually have them going with Colin Sexton. I'm kind of torn between them going with their kind of backcourt of the future versus replacing DeAndre Jordan. Um, there's, they haven't but lost what them. Is, what, is, what does that mean for Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly? Because yeah. I do know the Clippers we reported they just parted ways with Milos Teodosic, so he's not on there anymore to be a point guard, so it makes more sense. Yeah, but Pat- do, well, Patrick do, Beverly... Do, you do, gotta, do two rookies off the bench, or does Lou Williams start in this position? No, I think Lou Williams doesn't... Uh, let's see, I'd have to... It's also some question marks just as far as what's going to happen with Patrick Beverly. He came off of some pretty advanced knee surgery, so hopefully he comes back to the same. I think he has one year left on his deal, so they'll probably end up parting ways with him after this year. But I think that Lou Williams is getting up there in age. Patrick Beverly with the question marks surrounding if he'll be the same player. Clippers are in a position to where they can get their starting backcourt of the future. Even if they don't start together right now, they will definitely moving forward. And Colin Sexton, I love Colin Sexton. I think that he he's one of the few guards in any draft coming in where defensively you know what you're going to get from him. He 
is so serious the way he goes about the game, and he does not back down from anybody, and I love that about him. I think he's kind of a Patrick Beverly in a sense, defensively. Offensively, he can attack the rim with pretty much any other guard in this class, so I think he definitely makes sense for the Clippers at number 13. Yeah, I, I have him at 9, so I definitely yeah, agree yeah. with how explosive Sexton is. Yeah, and I, I see the temptation of maybe going with Robert Williams. I think it was really between Sexton and Williams for that number 13 pick for me. Let's move to number 14, the Denver Nuggets. Perry, who's your pick? Uh, Miles Bridges is still on the board for me, so he goes there. Uh, small forward, power forward. I actually had him at 11 to the Hornets for every mock draft, mock draft up to this one. He pretty much swapped with Kevin Knox for me. I really like Kevin Knox's upside, his age, and his size more than I like Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges' athleticism is definitely there. He's 20 years old. He's a sophomore. He's six foot six. His numbers were there. He's going to help the Nuggets a ton. They have a definite need at small forward. The Nuggets really do need help there. And Kevin Knox or Miles Bridges, if you're the Nuggets and you can land them at land him at 14 without having to move any picks, you're definitely walking home a winner on that day. So the only reason why Miles Bridges would uh, slides to me at number 14 is because of his size and the fact that he's a little bit older. But that's even though he might be a tiny bit more NBA ready, I, I like Knox's upside more. Yeah, I think the Nuggets definitely do need some help at that small forward position. And if in my mock draft, Miles Bridges or Kevin Knox was still available, I think that's a no-brainer for them. They'll probably consider Kevin Herter. Um, but for me, I have them going with Shy Gilgeous Alexander. I think his length, I know that they have Jamal Murray who can play the two guard. Uh, they traded away Emmanuel Moutier. Um, his length, I believe his wingspan was, I think it was around six foot 11. And I think he measured in at six foot two. That's really disruptive. And then Gilgeous Alexander at Kentucky still averaged over five assists a game. So he's definitely has some playmaking attributes. He's not going to be the best playmaker in the NBA, but he's someone you can put the ball in his hands and he can create for others. And that's something that Denver needs. I also think that that would be a nice two-man game in the pick and roll with Nikola Jokic and his ability to either roll to the basket or just pop outside for an outside shot. Um, Jokic is one of, if not the most skilled center in the NBA today. So I really like that fit for the Nuggets, and I think that that definitely helps them really contend for a playoff spot next year. Let's move yeah, on I, to... Oh. The Nuggets, I really like Millsap and Jokic there, yeah. down low, one-two. And if you had a guy like Miles Bridges for me, and then you obviously have that one-two punch of you know, Murray up there and everyone. And for the Nuggets, with how I think they're a pretty deep team as well. I think it'd be a really good fit for them. Either one of those picks, I think the Nuggets are right in contention to slip into the playoffs this year. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, they were right on the cusp this past year. They had that it was essentially a playoff game last game of the regular season against the Timberwolves win and you're in the playoffs and whoever lost was out and they lost the Timberwolves in overtime. So they were five minutes away from making the playoffs. Exactly. Let's move on to the Washington Wizards pick number 15. Perry, who's your pick? I have Lonnie Walker, a guy you already have okay. picked. I love his athleticism and his potential. He shot about 50% from the field, and a good comparison I have for him, I really like Ben Gordon, if you were around to watch him yeah, play. Yeah. It's a really good comparison between the two, and I really think Lonnie Walker's athleticism is athleticism is so intriguing. So number 15, the Wizards, who really need to strike it big on this draft because I don't think they're going to make too many moves in free agency. They don't have a lot of cap space, and I know that their front court's pretty loaded already with, of course, Wall and Beal, but having Lonnie Walker coming off that bench and adding oh, an athletic guard they're, they're there is going to be... Right? What was that? You mean their backcourt, right? 
Yeah, no, I said Lonnie Walker coming off the bench. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But definitely, definitely Ben Gordon comparison would be a good one for me. But who do you have for 15 to the Wizards? Yeah, I like that comparison. Even though Lonnie Walker didn't have great shooting stats last year, he has a really nice-looking shot, and I think it can translate well in the NBA. I have them going with a guy you mentioned, going to the Clippers, uh, Robert Williams, power forward slash center out of Texas A&M. Uh, there's been a lot of... Um, just reported like rift between Marcin Gortat and John Wall. Wizards are obviously going to keep John Wall over Marcin Gortat. Gortat's kind of slowed down in terms of his production over the past year or two, so even if there wasn't a rift between them, the Wizards would be looking to add someone to kind of take his place. And Robert Williams, someone who's very athletic, and again, I mentioned the pick and roll with the Nuggets in my previous pick, that could be a terrifying pick-and-roll combo as well with John Wall and then Robert Williams rolling to the basket. John Wall's got one of the best... He has some of the best vision in the NBA, so that'll be a very good combo for them as well. Let's move forward to the Phoenix Suns, pick number 16. Perry, who's your pick? I have Zaire Smith, who I think is my favorite player in this draft and has been the whole time. He's just got a special place in my heart for some reason. His crazy athleticism, it's jaw-dropping. I've been watching tape on him... And it's insane. There's a reason why Puma went out and signed him on top of Aiden and Bagley, who are going to be probably the consensus one-two pick. They went out and signed a guy who might slip into the lottery, might slip right out. They went and grabbed him as well because of the fact that I think he's going to be a star. They do as well. By the way, let's bring that up. Puma is back in basketball. They, of course, we already mentioned Aiden Bagley, now Zaire Smith. They've signed them to multi-year footwear and apparel deals. It's, it's amazing to see Puma, and for Adidas, we just talked about Lonnie Walker today. They signed Lonnie Walker and Trey Young as well, so you're seeing a lot of these prospects picking their homes in regards to who you know what footwear they're going to be wearing in apparel. So Zaire Smith is definitely on everybody's radar. He's a little bit undersized, just a little under six foot three for a shooting guard, but he makes up for it with extreme athleticism and human, huge bounce. He's able to get up on anybody, explosive dunks, his vision's there, his shot's there. Zaire Smith is just a crazy athlete. I had to take a second just to talk about him because he excites me. So what do you uh, what do you think, Corbin, for the Suns? Yeah, I agree with you on this one. I have them going with Zaire Smith, and you pretty much hit on everything. He's a little bit undersized, but his athleticism more than makes up for it. The Suns, I mean, they got a good, some good young talent moving forward. Obviously, Devin Booker headlines that. They have athleticism surrounding him with Alfred Payton, who will probably, I would assume that they would be able to re-sign him. He played very well yeah, once he, he was actually, traded. He there. actually played very well since getting to Phoenix, so yeah, it was a good change of pace for him. And just like we just said, the Suns having Devin Booker, having Zaire Smith right behind yeah. him, developing under a guy like Booker would really help him out. Zaire Smith is only 18 years old. Yeah, Yeah, he's one of, if not the youngest player in the draft, right? Yeah, he's definitely one of them. He's up there with Jaron Jackson, definitely, and also Kevin Knox. Yeah. Yes, I mean, he has tremendous upside, and I think uh, he'll fit in very well with their young core because they're not they're not expected to make the playoffs next year. So Zaire Smith is going to have some time to grow. There's been some reports that they might be trying to push towards maybe grabbing a star player with all the assets they have in an attempt to make the playoffs, but... As currently constructed, I think they're still probably a year or two away, and that gives Zyra Smith the time that he needs to find how to use all of his exceptional athleticism the best way possible. Let's move forward to the Milwaukee Bucks, pick number 17. Perry, who's their pick? 
Uh, Troy Brown, shooting guard. He can also play small forward. He's all uh, with just with those three players we just named. He's as well, eighteen years old, so one of the younger players in this draft. Six foot seven, very lengthy. Plays amazing defense. Has a great shot. A great three and D player. He's perfect for this league. He's young. The Bucks need a guy like that. He's going to be a perfect fit for any team, really. Yeah, I have the Bucks going with Kevin Herter, shooting guard, small forward out of Maryland. I just think. I think Troy Brown, Troy Brown would be a good fit for them as well, but Herter, although Troy Brown is a 3 and D type player, Herter is a better shooter, and that's the thing that the Bucks need more than anything else. That was very apparent when they were playing the Celtics that they have this superstar in Giannis, but besides him, they just don't have any outside threats, and Giannis needs to have lanes to get to the basket, and when you can just compact your entire defense and just focus on Giannis when he drives to the basket without really having to worry about outside shooters. That's obviously not going to play well, play out well for the Bucks. So adding a shooter of Herder's caliber, I think, if anything, it's just really going to open up the floor for Giannis to do even more damage next year. Let's move on to pick number 18, San Antonio Spurs. Perry, who's your pick? Keita Bates-Diop, small forward, can also play power forward from Ohio State, 22 years old, six foot eight. He's definitely NBA ready. He's a glue guy. He just sticks all over you, and he's he's really going to help any team, and I really think he'd fit very well with Greg Popovich, and he's going to help replacing a little bit of that blow when they lose Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean, if they do it. When, when they lose Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, whether it's via trade or... He signed somewhere else next offseason. I have I have the Spurs going with the player that you just mentioned, going to the Bucks, Troy Brown out of Oregon. Like you mentioned, 3 and D type player. I think that he'd be a good fit in Greg Popovich's system, especially if the Spurs don't have Kawhi Leonard moving forward. They're going to need shooters. They have Deontay Murray, who is clearly the point guard of the future for them. He's an exceptional defender, but he does not really have an outside shot. He needs to be able to get to the basket. And, uh, yeah, you need to surround him with shooters. Troy Brown's a good fit for him. He had a, or for the Spurs, he had a good year last year with Oregon. And, um, I think he's someone who can make an impact right away with the Spurs moving forward, especially without Kawhi Leonard. So let's move to pick number 19. That's the Atlanta Hawks. Remember they had the number three pick. We both had them taking Jaron Jackson. Who do you have the Hawks selecting with their second first round pick? Dante DiVincenzo, shooting guard Villanova, 6'4", 200 pounds. He's a champion, 21 years old, two-way player. He's definitely NBA ready. He's got a great shot. He's a competitor. He's helped his draft stock a ton. He's had an amazing combine. He's shot up draft boards from my first draft when he was definitely a mid-second rounder to solidify himself as a late first rounder to even helping himself even more. Drifting towards the lottery, but at number 19, Dante DiVincenzo, I really like him here. What do you have? Yeah, pick number 19, I have the Hawks selecting Zanon Musa. I believe that's how you say his name. Uh, He played professionally in Europe last year. He is someone who, he's he's a shooter, and uh, that's something that the Hawks can use, especially if they do go with Jaron Jackson playing the power forward or center position along with John Collins. John Collins really can't shoot outside. They got Dennis Schroeder, who is really their only piece moving forward, and there's even some question if they're going to keep him, but Schroeder isn't a great shooter from the outside. Someone who, like Deontay Murray with the Spurs, needs to be able to get to the basket, so you need to surround him with some shooters. Uh, they go ahead and take Zanon Musa and uh, just 
space the floor for Dennis Schroeder at the very least. So let's move on to pick number 20. That's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Kyrie Thomas, shooting guard from Creighton, who I think is one of the most underrated shooting guards in this draft because there's so many great shooting guards for this draft especially. He's 22 years old. He's definitely NBA ready. He's such a two-way player. His defense intrigues me so much. I I loved playing defense when I played basketball. It was what I loved more. than I didn't love the offensive game as much as I love shutting down the best player there. And that's him every single time. He's so long. He's a game changer on that end. And he's going to help the Timberwolves. He'll help any team. But I think the Timberwolves take him because – you know, with his size, he can also guard forwards as well, especially small forwards. But, you know, Kyrie Thomas definitely is a little underlooked this draft. I really think the Timberwolves get a steal at 20. Yeah, I think that that would be a solid pick for them. I have them going with Josh Akogi out of Georgia Tech shooting guard. Who's, this, he's, this this early. Yeah, you think that that's a little early for him? I mean, yeah, he was like a, supposed to be like a mid-second round pick, and then he helped his draft stock for sure. With uh, with a good combine, but definitely I'm not knocking him at all. But yeah, you know, I th- all I th- the way up his, his stock has been rising. I think that he's another one. I mean, this is a little bit of a run on three and D players with these last few picks, but he's someone who I believe his wingspan was around seven feet, is what he measured out at. He has a pretty good frame, thick muscular frame for uh, someone his size, and I believe his height, yeah, six foot four with a seven foot wingspan. Um, he's a good three-point shooter. He thought shot 37.6% from long range for his career and just under 80% from the foul line. That's something that I really look at to see if a player's shooting ability is going to translate to the NBA is how they shoot at the free throw line to see if they're a true shooter. Shooting around 80%, so that's a good sign for me. Um, and I think just another 3 and D type player and the Timberwolves, another team, doesn't have tons of shooting. Jimmy Butler can shoot. Um, Andrew Wiggins, not quite so much. Um, Jamal Crawford opted out of his deal with the Timberwolves, so we don't know if he'll be back. Even if he is, he is 37 years old or so, so he won't be in the league much longer. So I think that it's a good fit for the Timberwolves moving forward. Let's move on to pick number 21, Utah Jazz. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Kevin Herter, shooting guard in Maryland, a guy who's really helped his draft stock, just like we were talking with DiVincenzo, he's a player that was right there, supposed to be kind of an early second-round pick, maybe mid-second-round pick, really shot his way into late first-rounder in a lot of mock drafts. Now he's looking, you know, creeping up towards 20, even before for some of these picks. I know the Lakers made him a promise that they'd be drafting him if he slides to 25. Both of us don't think that's going to happen, so if they want him, they're going to have to move up. I have the Jazz taking him. He's going to help their offense. I know they got... Uh, Donovan Mitchell there, but he can also play small forward. He can just be an extra shooter for you on the outside. What NBA teams love is his potential to be an offensive weapon more than just a shooter, and that's what he's shown throughout this combine. At 19 years old and six foot seven, he's very long. So I definitely like Kevin Herter, who did just have a surgery, and I think he was going to be out for a little bit, but he'll be back before the season starts or anything like that. So it's not really concerning to a lot of teams, but he's helped his draft stock a ton. Yeah, he has. He's one of. He's one of the biggest risers, if not the biggest riser. Probably him, Zyar Smith, and Josh Akogi to a lesser degree. Yeah, DiVincenzo as well. Uh, really quickly with the reported promise to the Lakers. So the Lakers have reportedly promised Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Herter. I don't really believe either of those reports. I think that that's just agents trying to get that rumor out so that teams are more inclined to try to pick them, knowing that 
they won't be there moving forward. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. I have the Utah Jazz selecting someone who you mentioned a few picks earlier, Keita Beta Jops out of Beta Bates Jop out of I cannot talk today out of Ohio State. Um, the Jazz have Derek Favors, who is going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Um, I think Bates Jop can kind of just come in and um, maybe not start right away for them, but be a solid contributor for them. He's someone who can stretch the floor, um, be a nice compliment to have alongside their budding superstar in Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think it's a good fit for them. Let's move on to pick number 22, the Chicago Bulls. Perry, you mentioned that they had promised small forward Chandler Hutchinson at number 22. Do you have them selecting him there? Of course, yeah, they, they promised him there. I don't think any team before 22 is too interested in Chandler Hutchinson, not a knock to him at all. Uh, but small forward, he's got good size. He averaged 20 points a game, 7.7 rebounds. Of course, on Boise State, he wasn't facing exactly the same competition, but he performed at a high level. I think he's NBA-ready at 22 years old. He was promised to the Bulls, so really not much more to talk about it. I think he's going to be a good piece to them. Yeah, I agree with you. I have them taking Chandler Hutchison at pick number 22. He's a little bit, or a lot older than most other prospects. He played all four years at college at Boise State, but had a really good last year, like you said, averaging around 20 points. And um, regardless of if that promise is true or not, I just think it makes sense for them to take him at number 22. Let's move on to pick 23, the Indiana Pacers. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Aaron Holiday, point guard UCLA, 21 years old. He's NBA ready for sure. A slightly smaller point guard, but it's okay. His offensive game is there. 20.3 points a game, 5.8 assists. He's able to add a lot to this team. Pacers who definitely need help at the point guard position. And along with Oladipo, I think that would be an amazing pairing for them. What the NBA is adding this year is that each of the first-round picks are going to get walked up by two of their family members. And luckily enough for Aaron Holiday, he has two brothers in the NBA, Drew and Justin. So they're going to be walking him up, which is amazing. It's chilling. It's just the fact that he's able to get walked into the NBA by his two brothers. And think about his parents, three kids in the NBA. Jeez. So I have 23, Aaron Holiday. Who do you have? Yeah, I have the Pacers going with power forward slash center Amari Spellman out of Villanova, which I know, Perry, you think that that might be a little high. Thaddeus Young is going to be a free agent this upcoming or this offseason, and uh, they will be looking to fill that void. I like Spellman. I think he's he's a freshman out of Villanova. You don't see many um, freshmen from Villanova going into the draft, but he has range. He's someone who can stretch the floor for them. Um, and he's a big body. He needs to he needs to lower his weight a little bit. He's a little bit a little bit um, on the thicker side. Um, but he has a really good NBA body, and I think that he can fit well alongside Miles Turner, who's another big man that can stretch the floor. Uh, Victor Oladipo obviously is the centerpiece of that entire organization. I could see them going with Aaron Holiday as well. Darren Collison, their starting point guard, had. A good year. He led the league in three-point percentage, but he is on the wrong side of 30. Um, but I think he'd be a good mentor. I think he'd be a yeah. really good mentor for him. Yeah, I think he could too. And I think that Aaron Holiday also brings scoring off the bench immediately. Um, I think he averaged, what was it at UCLA? Do you have his stats in front of you? Yeah, it was uh, 20.3 yeah. points a game and 5.8 assists. Yeah, so I mean, he's someone who can make an impact for you does kind of that sixth man type role and maybe eventually transition his way into a starting point guard. I'm hesitant to 
put him as a starting point guard, but we'll see what happens with that. But just for me, I just think that Thaddeus Young and him, the potential of him leaving has them take a power forward, whether it's Spellman or someone else. I think Spellman's the best fit for them, but yeah, we'll see. And just talking power forwards, power forwards at this point in the draft, there aren't a lot of talented yeah. ones in this draft compared to the amount of shooting guards that we're able to put out, even centers, such a deep draft for both. Uh, but when you're looking at that position, it's not, not as deep for power forward. So that's why I see where your head's at with reaching for Spellman. But I don't even have him in my first round, but he's mm-hmm. definitely a good player for sure. And I see their need for power forward, and it's just not a very deep class for power forwards yeah. this year. Yeah, you're right about that. Let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers, pick number 24. Perry, who do you think they select? Jacob Evans, shooting guard slash small forward from Cincinnati. He really helped his draft stock as well. I love his offensive game. He helped the Cincinnati team that didn't have a ton of success before have a great tournament run. I believe they were number one ranked. And he was a big part of that team. And what a lot of teams saw in the combine is that he's actually able to guard all five positions. A similar comparison on the defensive end in regards to being that Swiss Army knife. Well, that I heard from someone was Draymond Green, that fact just that he can pair up with all five. He might not be as good of a defender, but just that ability to do that. So that really helps the Trailblazers, who also have a very big need at small forward. And I think a very good fit for them would obviously be Chandler Hutchinson. But with the Bulls promising him at 22, the Trailblazers are going to have to make a move to go pick him up because they definitely need a small forward. But Jacob Evans can play both shooting guard and small forward and has the ability to guard with you know anybody. So I want to hear who you have for 24. Yeah, I have the Blazers taking Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova. I know that the the Blazers do have a need at small forward. I think C.J. McCollum, I'm not too sure if he's even going to be on the team next year. He's someone who makes sense to be traded if um, if they can find a good trade for him. They, they had a great season this past year, but got swept by the Pelicans in the playoffs. That was a little bit disappointing. But even if they do hold on to C.J. McCollum, Dante DiVincenzo still makes sense, whether it's going with kind of a small ball lineup and putting McCollum or DiVincenzo at the small forward position or just having him come off the bench. And DiVincenzo is someone who, again, his draft stock has shot up. He's extremely athletic, and he's someone who had the biggest game of his life at the perfect moment in the championship game for Villanova. He What did he have? Over 30 points, and he won the MVP of the Final Four, I believe, coming off the bench. Um I'm a big fan of his. I think that he can do really well in the NBA, and I think that Portland is a really good fit for him. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely, he's been impressing a lot of NBA teams. One uh, quote I heard from a former coach of his that I saw from a source of ours from Yahoo said he's got the cojones for the NBA. He's got the balls, and he's going to compete. He's he's like a junkyard dog. He's just going to be you know, always going at 100 miles an hour at all times. So I love how coaches already chime on his competitive demeanor and the fact that he's been helping his draft stock with an amazing combine, DiVincenzo. That's why he, I have him already picked uh, higher than that at number 19. So yeah, yeah DiVincenzo is a very intriguing player. Yeah, and he's someone who, when he first declared for the draft, even though he had a great Final Four run, and um, I don't think many people even thought he'd be a first-round pick. Most yeah. most he, most people he, thought... He was a mid- he was a mid-second round projection. Yeah, most, most people thought he'd go back to Villanova and try to improve his stock, but he has certainly improved his stock more in the past few months than I think he would have by returning to Villanova. Let's, let's move on to pick number 25, Los Angeles Lakers. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Uh, the Lakers, uh, Mitchell Robinson, like we said, uh, they I think they reportedly made a promise to him 
6'11", 7'4", wingspan. I got to compare him to like a Hassan Whiteside. And, you know, I don't remember the last time that the Lakers have had a big man that's that size or that kind of wingspan since, what, Shaq? So I'm not well, comparing that Andrew whatsoever. Bynum. Not even close. I'm Andrew just, Bynum. Dwight Howard. Bynum as well. Uh, Dwight Howard for that small. I don't even, I don't even uh, recognize him as a Laker. Is no Dwight Howard? Yeah, it was just void. It was just a weird time. <laughs> like, why didn't they just stop that one and let us have Chris Paul back in the day? That would have been that would have been a good one. But yeah, Mitchell Robinson. I think he's there at twenty five. They promised him, and he's just an absolute beast. What do you think, Corbin? Yeah, I agree with you. And like I said, I don't really believe any of the reports, whether it's the Lakers or even any other team, any reported promises. Maybe they've been made, but I think there's a lot to be gained from the agents and the players if they send out these rumors to people saying, oh, we got promised by this team because it just puts pressure on other teams ahead of them in the draft to select them because they at least have it in the back of their head. This guy might not be there past the certain pick where they were supposedly promised. So I don't put too much stock into that. But with that being said, I still think the Lakers go with Mitchell Robinson just because he fits. The Lakers' two most important needs right now and there's so much that can change this offseason with everything, all the rumors swirling around the Lakers, who's coming, who's not. But the team as presently constructed, their two biggest needs are a center and a backup point guard because they had Tyler Ennis running backup point guard at some of the time until he got smart and had Ingram take over because Ennis was horrible. So I think it really comes down to either Mitchell Robinson or Aaron Holiday, which I know for you, Perry, was already selected. He's still available on my mock draft, but... Uh, Mitchell Robinson, someone who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, he had committed to Western Kentucky and then decided not to go there and just to work on his own game without playing in college. Uh, the Hassan Whiteside comparison, I guess it makes some sense. His game's a little bit different. He can stretch the floor a little bit more than him. And he is very raw, though. Um, and he's someone who's going to be a project for whoever selects him. But um, he no, does. We also haven't been able to see the tape yeah. that we are on some of these guys coming out of college. So we don't know how raw his game still is. I mean, it's raw regardless. We just don't know where he's at is what I'm kind of saying. Right. And yeah, I want to say Mitchell Robinson, he had committed to Western Kentucky because a uh, family member was a coach there, and that yeah. coach was uh, let go. So that's why he ended up not playing at Western Kentucky. That's the reason why he ended up not uh, honoring his commitment to play there. But he, I, I mean, I trust anyone the Lakers drafting later in the draft. It's gone so well for them lately that yeah, I'm course. super excited, especially, like you said, he was a five-star athlete uh, at a high school, which they don't offer too many of those five stars out. And he fits the typical mold of Lakers players that have done well in the past. So yeah, they, they snuck away with Thomas Bryant last year in the draft, who is a, more of a project center with a ton of athleticism from Indiana. And they also have Zubak, an international center as well, who doesn't have a lot of pop, but he's definitely a finesse center. So the two of them are definitely intriguing centers for the Lakers, but neither of them are the answer. So grabbing him there, at least it adds more to the mix. And maybe you can pair up one of those two centers I previously named in one of these insane trades or whatever that the NBA is going towards right now. The Lakers are pretty much in every single rumor. But yeah, I think Mitchell Robinson, I, I'm not sure if this is the first one that we, oh no, it was the second one that we've agreed on besides Chandler Hutchinson. But yeah, I know you said that the promises might just be smoke and mirrors, but we've so far agreed with both the yeah. promises with Chandler Hutchinson and with Mitchell Robinson. I don't see it working out any other way. I think I like how it's set up. Yeah, and one more quick point before we move on with the Lakers with drafting Thomas Bryant last year. I think He's another one. Mitchell Robinson is most likely going to be a project. Who knows if he's just 
improved leaps and bounds over this past year of training on his own, but he'd probably be a project along with Thomas Bryant. I think Zubots, the Lakers might be ready to move on from. He showed some promise his rookie year, but this past year he really took a step backwards. But if I'm the Lakers, maybe I select Mitchell Robinson, and then I know I have two projects in Bryant and Robinson, and then I hope that I hit on at least one of them because they both have the potential to be um, really big, impactful players at the next level. It's just if they can harness all of their potential, which remains to be seen. But let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers, pick number 26. They selected at number 10. That was the Lakers' original pick. The Lakers' pick number 25 was from the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Larry Nance Jordan Clarkson trade for Isaiah Thomas. Um, they got the Cavs' first-round pick out of that. So this is the Sixers' original first-round pick. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Uh, at number 10, I had Mikael Bridges to the 76ers. Now at number 26 to the 76ers, I have Zanin Musa, shooting guard, small forward, Sevavita. And he is international, of course, and six foot nine, 185 pounds, definitely extremely light. For six foot nine, we're talking Trey Young is that same same weight. He's undersized for a point guard at six foot one. Yeah. So this guy's a twig, eighteen years old. But it's all just about potential. You can store him overseas. You can train him. He's not going to make the roster this year, but he's an extremely intriguing pick. And it's just about the size at this point. But there's a reason why he's sneaking up into the first round. He's really got all that potential. And like you said, I know you already have him drafted. He's a shooter, and he's a He's, it can be a stretch four if he adds enough weight on there. So I really like him to the 76ers, who have a lot of picks and can really mess around and you know use one on a you know a lot a player like this who'd be more of a project. Yeah, I, I really like that pick for them if he's available because you mentioned the ability to maybe storm overseas. He had mentioned that he wanted to come to the NBA next year, but um, maybe the Sixers could work something out because, like you mentioned, they have so many draft picks, so many young guys. They can't have them all on their roster at once. So being able to draft them and then stash them away for a year or two years could and definitely... What you say, having them all on the roster at once. Don't be surprised if the, if the 76ers are one of the more active teams on draft day or coming yeah. up towards draft day with as many picks. Even if it's messing around and trading one of their second-round picks, with that may be, they have a ton of assets to the 76ers and a lot of cap space. So keep Absolutely. an eye on that. I could definitely see them maybe trying to package their pick number 10 and pick 26 and then trying to move up, even if it's like to pick six or seven, something um, just to get one young player instead of having to have the roster spots for two young players. So we'll see what happens. It themselves relevant come draft time again because that's the only thing the 76ers are good for. <laughs> yeah, and they, just, and they just have a problem picking all these injured players that folds, you know, everybody, <laughs> it's still saying, Fultz it's still everybody. the same spirit is going around 76ers. Everyone thought it was going to be broken, but he was injured last year too. So I was, waiting, they, I was waiting for Christian to say something about the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of let it pass the first time they came around, but no matter who they draft, like it's, they're just going to get crippled and un- <laughs> they're going to they're come to the NBA perfectly fine. And then by the time summer league ends, they're going to be mysteriously crippled and can't shoot about basketball. <laughs> yeah. Crawling. Uh, so crawling uh, out, pick, pick number 26. I have the Sixers going with Aaron holiday out of UCLA. We talked about him earlier. I just think it's a nice change of pace for the Sixers with Ben Simmons. I, you, I mean, starting power forward slash or point forward slash point guard, but, when he does come off the court, having someone with the ball in their hands who can actually shoot from the outside just to give the defense a little bit of a different look. Um, and Aaron Holiday, like we said, he can light it up, come in and be a scorer off the bench. So um, 
Yeah, I think it would just be a good draft pick for them. Let's go to pick number 27, Boston Celtics. Uh, Perry, who do you have them selecting? Uh, I have Grayson Allen, uh, the second coming of Danny Ainge. He's 22 years old. He's a senior uh, from Duke. Great combine. He really helped his draft combine, or sorry, his draft stock. His numbers were there. He mentored out well. His interviews were well. He seemed extremely mature, even though he, there was, of course, talk on Grace Allen being a bit of a prima donna and having some drama. But it, it, was, it didn't seem like that to NBA teams. And the Celtics, it's been well known that Danny Ainge is in love with him. They even look alike uh, <laughs> a little bit. So, you know, 22 years old, senior, it's just a great comment. And there was a picture, speaking of lookalikes with Grayson Allen, uh, I think it was Ricky Rubio or Ted Cruz, one of the two. He looks like it's his son. There was a picture <laughs> of the two of them. They posted it on Twitter, one of them. It was the two of them. It was hilarious. It's probably, I think it's Ted Cruz. But yeah, Grayson Allen, 27 to the Celtics. Danny Ainge loves him and very similar to him as a player. And he's going to help the Celtics a lot. We're looking to add a shooting guard with the potential of losing Marcus Smart. And, you know, there's a lot of good shooting guards here. But I know that there's a lot of tie to Grayson Allen. Yeah, I have the Celtics. I understand the rumors with them being interested in Grayson Allen. There's so many rumors swirling around the NBA draft. And some are true, but I think there's a lot more that aren't. That's not to say the Celtics aren't in love with Grayson Allen, but... I do think that they could probably end up getting him in the second round. Uh, I think that DeAnthony Melton makes sense for them. You mentioned Marcus Smart. Now he's he's going to be a restricted free agent, so they could match any offer. But there was a report that the Celtics wouldn't go up above. I think it was around like ten to twelve million per year for Marcus Smart. And um, there are some teams that are going to be desperate, and um, they. I mean, I could see maybe like even the Atlanta Hawks with the cap room they have maybe going after someone like Marcus Smart. So DeAnthony Melton makes sense, kind of similar to Marcus Smart in a sense that he's a really good defender, but he really needs to work on his outside shot. We don't know if his outside outside shot has improved a lot because this past year at USC, his freshman year he played at USC, and um, he was a very good contributor to them off of their bench. This past year he was supposed to take on a starter role, but he never played a game for USC. There was some reports with the whole FBI probe, whether he had taken some money to something with a shoe deal with Adidas or an agent. So um, he never got cleared and ended up leaving USC before a final decision even came down. So he's I'm sure he's been working on his outside shot in the zone because that's the biggest knock on him. Um, if he's improved that, then I think that's a steal for the Celtics at pick number 27. But regardless, they have someone who can play defense, and that's what the Celtics and Brad Stevens really build their team around. So I think it's a really good fit for them. Let's move on to the Golden State Warriors, pick number 28. Perry, who's your pick? I have them taking Ellie Okobo, okay. point guard from France, another guy who's really helped his draft stock as of late. He didn't have a crazy combine or anything like that. It's just a lot of players, uh, a lot of teams have been really looking into him, and with his interviews and everything like that, he's been doing extremely well, slipping into a lot of first-round mocks. So at the 28 Warriors, I know point guard's not necessarily a big need for them, of course, with Steph Curry and with Livingston there. But you don't know the contract situation moving forward for you know Livingston and with everybody else there. And Steph Curry does have a lot of injury problems depending on the year, especially last year. So having a guy like Elliot Kobo, he's one of those great players from France, kind of like a Tony Parker, just... You know, they keep shoveling out these really good point guards. 
He's six foot three. He shoots the three extremely well, forty one point eight percent. Plays defense very well. He's got a just got a high motor. So Elliot Kobo slips in the Warriors. The rich get richer, like always. Yeah, Okobo was someone who I thought about at this pick, and it was really between him and Gary Trent Jr. I'm going with Gary Trent Jr. I think that he is someone who, whoever the Warriors select at pick 28, they're not going to have to contribute right away. I really like Gary Trent's ability. He's not great at creating his own shot, but he's a great shooter. Um, And he's someone who, defensively, he has his limitations there. But he shot the ball, shot the ball so well for Duke, and he showed that um, he could play on the biggest stage. Obviously, playing at Duke, um, that's someone where I mean Quinn Cook, who former Duke player, um, he when he had his time to play with the Warriors this season when they were dealing with injuries, he played pretty well, and I think that he's probably worked himself into a nice contract with another team, and they just bring on Gary Trent Jr., who's another Duke disciple. Mike Krzyzewski disciple to um, come in. You know that he's been well coached this previous year um, and he can adapt himself very well to the Warriors right away. Let's move on to second to last pick of the first round. Brooklyn Nets pick number 29. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Uh, Jerome Robinson, shooting guard, Boston College, 21 years old. He was a junior, just very NBA ready. I really like his game. He's so explosive on the offensive end, and he's another guy who slipped into a lot of first-round mocks. And uh, he's six foot seven, 181 pounds, so he's definitely going to add some weight on there. But last season, 20.7 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He, you know, being there for three years, he showed definite uh, improvement in his first year at 11.7, second year 18.7, third year 20.7. He became their number one option. He, I know at Boston College, they necessarily weren't playing the best competition, but he showed that he really was their leader there and that he showed a lot of NBA potential. So I like him slipping into the end of this first round here. Yeah, the Nets for me at pick number 29, this is probably my least favorite pick, and Perry, you hit on how there just aren't many power forwards in this draft once we get past the top five or six picks. It's the fact, very... the fact that Spellman already got picked in, in your mock draft shows that alone, and let alone here at 29, you still don't have any more power forwards past well, Spellman, very, you know, that true power forwards that really can contribute in a big way, it seems like. Yeah, and I mean, I, I have the Nets going with Mo Wagner out of Michigan. He's a power forward slash center. I'm not that high on him. It's just the Nets... Um, I don't think, I think their backcourt's pretty much set for right now. That's the least of their worries with D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie. They also have Jeremy Lin, who's coming off of a torn patellar tendon. He's going to be a free agent, so he might not re-sign, but I think they just have so many other holes on their roster, and the biggest one being a power forward, even though they do have Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Not sure how he's going to fit into their team long-term. Mo Wagner, I just think he's someone who can stretch the floor. Um, the games that I saw him play, he really did not impress me that much. Um, but he did have a good year with Michigan. He led them um, pretty far into March Madness. Um, I think it can work. It's a little bit of a stretch right here, but they need to power forward, and they're just taking the best power forward still available. But Yeah, I mean, for, for power forwards, you got Jared Vanderbilt, power forward from Kentucky, and, you know, Ray Spaulding, who slipped in from Louisville, and Chemezi Metu from USC. And those three 
are the next in line for the best power forward. And I have actually a two-round mock draft that we're not going to be going through completely. But having them actually getting taken 45, 46, 47. So it, even though it's such a weak class for power forwards, I'm still not at 100% high on this power forward two point where I wouldn't reach on any of them, even in the beginning of the second round. They're all three mid-round second-rounders for me. So I see, because Mo Wagner, I actually have him at the beginning of the second round, and he does play more center, but he can definitely play a power forward for sure. So I see where your head's at with the Nets. I wouldn't be surprised to see them moving a few of their picks. They have two or three, so don't be surprised to see the Nets taking on another big contract and rather picking up another pick in the process or moving a couple of their picks and trying to move up. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think Tremezi Metu, I don't, I don't know how I feel about him playing power forward. I think he is, he's someone who's, I'd be shocked if he goes in the first round. He is, that'd be the same position as Mo Wagner. I would, it's not the best fit for power forward, but they still play power forward. Yeah, they're kind of like in between. I think Metu is obviously a better rim protector, but he's, very undersized in terms of just strength. He does not have much strength. He's You look at him and he's a very good athlete. You would think that he would be a good rebounder, but that was one of the things he struggled with most last year at USC. Um, he has a pretty good post game though, so I think that's where um, him being a center could maybe work out. But, I mean, they all have stuff that they need to work on. Like I said, this pick with Mo Wagner is my least favorite of the first round. Um, more of just a reach, but... Uh, just trying to fill a hole and fill a need at this point. Let's move on to the last pick of the first round. Atlanta Hawks, pick number 30. Perry, who do you have them selecting? Uh, Josh Okogie, I know I said you reached on him a little bit, but regardless, he's helped himself and he's worked into my first round as well. He is from Georgia Tech, shooting guard. He's a very good two-way player. can shoot the three-ball well. He plays amazing defense, and that's something that a lot of these shooting guards, they aren't liabilities on the defensive side of the ball, but he is probably the best defensive shooting guard in this trap so i you know that's really what the hawks need a lot of help just all over the place and you know in this particular mock draft i have the hawks taking jaron jackson jr um up top in the and up top in the draft so you know they definitely still need help with shooting guard help and josh akogi would be a great fit yeah i have them going with shooting guard too josh akogi's already selected for me i have them going with Kyrie thomas who you had going what pick did you have him going uh, for Kyrie Thomas, he was number 20 to the Timberwolves for okay. me. Yeah, I think I had a Kogi going number 20, so we just flipped on that. Um, Kyrie Thomas, I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's someone who he has really good length for a shooting guard. He's only six foot three, but he has a wingspan of six foot ten inches. He's an older player at 22 years old, so the upside isn't there as it is for someone who's 18 or 19 years old. But it also could be that his body and maturity is more NBA ready. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it is. And um, he he's a good defender. I don't think he's as good as Josh Okogie, but he's still someone who can be a 3 and D type player. Um, he's a plus shooter, I would say. It's just that he's not great at creating his own shot. So he has he has limitations as anyone's going to, especially this far down in the draft, but he's someone who can be a solid role player at the very least moving forward. I'd see where your head's at there, and I think this first round, there's so many shooting guards. That's the deepest deepest position overall throughout the first round, but especially in the lottery, it has to be center. It's just yeah. so loaded with centers this year, and I think that increases the chance of obviously drafting a bust in regards to your center just because there's so many, and it's... It's not necessarily, I mean, it could be the other way around too, where you have so many centers that you're able to evaluate them against each other as well. 
But, you know, there's just so many players here that are just so tall, so athletic. It's just the new modern NBA. And all these guys fit so well, especially up atop in the lottery. So loved hearing your your opinion on this and yours as well, Christian. I know I put out a mock draft for you guys on Twitter. I believe it was about a week ago. And this is now my fourth mock draft. I might even make another tweak or two before the actual draft on Thursday, depending if we hear any other reports. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us on our pre-draft special our mock draft special keep your eye out for so many trades coming up and of course the draft is thursday so pay attention to that please have our twitter notifications on especially if you're trying to follow this draft we will be all over it in regards to any news coming out picks when they actually happen so make sure you follow us and have your twitter notifications on and that's really all that we have for you guys today any last words from you corbin or christian before we head out yeah i just want to remind you guys we're going to post perry's and my mock drafts on twitter and we will also have two twitter polls coming out for you guys one we mentioned on our last podcast, we got into a debate about if high school players should be allowed to go right into the NBA or have to take a year to either go to college or play somewhere else besides the NBA. With the draft coming up, perfect time to send out a Twitter poll for you guys and see what you guys think. So please go ahead and vote on that. Also, we're going to have another poll. Perry mentioned we're going to have screenshots of both of our mock drafts. So go ahead and take a look at each. We're going to ask you guys to please vote and see who you guys agree with more if you think perry's mock draft is going to be more accurate or my mock draft is going to be more accurate by the time you've listened to this podcast those polls will already be up if you've listened this far and you haven't voted yet please go on twitter and vote on those and yeah i'll be really excited hey perry perry Perry, let's go (laughs) now you guys know who's the best at this (laughs) stuff it's me so you know who to vote for